Rowdy JFC, glad that you are here today on your chair. You'll find the notes. If you don't have them in your hand, grab them, and you can follow along with me. This is the final message in our series, Destinations, and I uh, want to begin by welcoming all of our campuses, not just here, Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, those that are live streaming, those that will listen later uh, in the uh, venue a week or two from now. However, you're a part of JFC, and we just want you to feel welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, as I said, it is the final message in our destination series, our summer series. I'm um, going to be talking about heaven tonight. I told our staff when we were downstairs right before the beginning of, of the service, we all pray together. Um, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He had a vision where he was caught up to um, the highest level in heaven. And then he said, I didn't have the words to be able to describe what heaven was like. And when I was preparing the message this week, I thought if Paul doesn't have the words to describe heaven... Um, man, where does that leave me in trying to describe heaven? So I had our, our staff tonight just pray. God would just make this so real and, and so timely for us and open our hearts. And so I'm um, just going to pray that that's, uh, that's the case for you and that you're ready for this. Uh, I put uh, under the transition the idea, I'm just going to call it welcome home. Heaven is supposed to be the idea of home. It's the place that we're supposed to be comfortable with, familiar with, and have an understanding of. And yet, let me say this to you. Um, how many of you uh, understand we, we don't talk much about heaven, do we? There's not a lot that's taught about it or that's said about it. So we sort of have really weird ideas about heaven. If you poll the average person out there, you get something along the idea of heaven is where my disembodied spirit hovers for eternity. Okay, so what? What do you do after that? What do you do while you're there? And so I kind of want to take us down the road of what heaven looks like and what's going to take place and really where our hearts should be at with it. Before I dive in, though, uh, last week we addressed the tragedy of the shootings in Aurora. And I said, if you give me a week, I'll find a place, uh, sort of a, an identity of where, if you want to give, would be a good place for you to be able to do that. We had a lot of people that were asking us if we gave financially to do it through JFC. I'm going to just shoot you straight on this. We don't have any connections uh, to anyone directly involved in the shooting there. So I, I just, quite honestly, if you were to give your money here, it would move it through a middleman, and I am not 100% sure where to tell you to, uh, to invest your money in it. So I, I this week, I spent some time, I talked to some folks. If you have a pen and if you're interested in this, let me give you a website you could go to that might be an opportunity uh, for you to look at investing. It's Aurora Victim Relief Fund. It's Aurora Victim Relief Fund. If you Google that right there, it'll give you some direction in, uh, in where you can invest and what you can give. The money goes directly to uh, the victims of this terrible tragedy, but quite honestly, um, it, would be, it, it would be more beneficial for you to give directly that way than it would to give it here and for us to try to figure out. We just don't have the direct connection, and I don't know any better way to say that than for you to go to this website, Aurora Victim Relief Fund, and take care of it that way. Hebrews chapter 11 is what we're going to use for our text tonight. It's the base that we're going to jump off of. So it's verses 13 through 16. Find it in your notes, and I'll read it. It says, And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Let me stop and comment very quickly. Just gives us a simple context. The they, this Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. 
you ever go back and you're a, a studier of the Bible, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, it lists out the people who we would say are, are sort of the characters inside the synopsis of the big names in the Bible. It's the ones who did incredible feats. The Bible says they're the ones who, who, who fought and won victories for God. They received their dead back to life. They, they were able to go through unbelievable things on this earth and see God do miraculous miracles. And so Hebrews 11 is called really the hall of faith. So the they in this uh, particular sentence are those people who have done tremendous things. And then the Bible says here was their attitude towards earth and towards living here and now. They admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. So let me ask the question. As a believer, have you ever felt that you just don't quite fit in when it comes to how this earth is run? Have you ever looked around and just said, I don't get it or I don't like it? Or I, I, there's nothing that I'm, when it, I'm not talking about the earth as a planet, but I'm talking about the system that this world operates by. The ugliness of a system that doesn't acknowledge God or look to God as being uh, the one who gives us wisdom or, or what we should serve. And so when they experienced that, they would admit that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Remember the word country. If you have a highlighter or a pen, you might catch that in the notes right there. It's used three times here. And I think it's interesting that the Bible describes heaven, listen, as a country. Heaven is a country. So it, 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 it says again, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better, there's the word again, country, a heavenly one. And then this sentence, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What an interesting view of the idea of eternity in heaven. The Bible calls it a country. Have you ever thought of heaven as a country? I think normally because we are just, we, we all want, who, who wants to go? Not tonight, but who wants to go? Okay, I get it. We want to go. We're, we're looking forward to it. The Bible says it's our hope and the thing that we, we have put our faith in to believe that God, it's not just some, some um, uh, philosophy, but it's an actual place that we're going to go. Pastor Dan said this, and I wrote it in your notes. I thought this was interesting. We spend more time looking up what we're going to do on a two-week vacation than we ever do about heaven, yes or no? We spend more time on the internet looking at all the ins and outs of the place that we're going to visit for a temporary stop, but we never spend the time looking up and studying about heaven. What a thought. Somebody, I think DJ, it might have been you, DJ said, how about this thought? We spend time redecorating temporary homes here on the earth, never thinking about the home that's being built for us in heaven that we'll enjoy for eternity. What a philosophy and a concept. So I wrote in your notes, here's just a couple of ideas. I want to talk to you about the truth about heaven, the truth about heaven. So number one, I put down, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Heaven's a prepared place for prepared people. Here in Hebrews, the Father says, he is preparing a place. And then 
Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus said that he is preparing a place. And I told the staff tonight, here, here's just sort of a, a way that we're supposed to look at this. Whenever I think about how God creates things, I always think of in the beginning, it says that he spoke it and it came into existence. But here in this case, he, he has not spoken into existence what heaven is fully going to look like because he's still building it right now. And here, here's, here's how I think we're supposed to look at this. Because what we do here and now has an influence what it's going to look like then and there. Because we're still right now in what we're doing, it is still developing what it's going to be like for us there. Do you get this? That's why he's still putting it. To, it's not a done deal yet. What you and I do with this message tonight has an implication on what eternity is going to look like for us then and there. Uh, there, there was a, a movie that I, I, I'm not recommending the movie. It's Gladiator. What a flat response that, that was. Not recommending the movie. I just happen to like the movie. But in the movie, there's just a line in it. And, and this is what it says, what we do here echoes for eternity. And I want you to know when it comes to heaven... That is a true statement. And, and the reason that God is still preparing, Jesus said he's preparing a place, it's because what we do, it's still being developed and created there. So I put down then this thought, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And then I wrote this idea, you never get to heaven by accident, Rich. A uh, couple weeks ago, I read in the paper a little, uh, I like George Clooney, anybody else? What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> You like, I, we don't go to movies. We never watch TV too holy. Somebody give me a break here. Do you like George Clooney? Yes. Good Lord. Well, you make me work so hard sometimes. George Clooney was interviewed a couple of weeks ago. And in the post, the, it, here's, here was the headline, the little caption under his article. George Clooney, and then it, here was his quote. When I die, I know I'm going to hell. That was George Clooney's quote. So obvious, you know, it gets my attention. I flip it over real quick and I read the article and this is what he said. I don't think I've done enough good things to be able to go to heaven. And isn't that the upside down philosophy of how most people view making it to heaven? And if that is your bubble, let me pop it quickly. You can't do enough good things to ever get yourself into heaven. The bottom line is, listen, God's standard to make it into heaven is perfection. So let's just deal with it quickly. How many times do you have to blow it to not be perfect? Anybody in here blown it this many times today? So let's just, look. We're all in the same boat. We all need a savior. Yes or no? Every one of us. So it puts us at this place. You can't have the viewpoint, I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a good guy. Like we'll stand in front of God and he'll just sort of weigh it out. And we're just hoping there's just one more good deed that'll tip it over. And God will say, in you go. It won't work that way. The only way into heaven is based, it's based on the work of Christ. He was perfect. And when we put our faith and trust in him, then God gives to us Christ's righteousness. And Christ took upon himself our unrighteousness. So the way we're into heaven is based on the work of Jesus and you trusting God to get you there. 
You know, I made this statement in, in a series I did last year. You're not responsible to get yourself to heaven, but you are responsible to bring heaven to earth. That's your job. Your job is to know what it's like there so that you're talking about it here and telling people what it's going to be like. George Clooney makes the statement, when I die, I know I'm going to hell. What, what a horrible thought. I want it to be said this way. When I die, I know I'm going to heaven. You? John chapter 14. Jesus said these powerful words. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to, look at the word, prepare. Remember back here in Hebrews. God in the last sentence. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has, what? Prepared. The idea that he's still making it happen there, that it's still being built, it's still being designed, it's still being put together based on what we do here and now. So Jesus, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I wrote down in the notes, Jesus' context when he spoke that is a little different than what you and I would understand. Jesus was Jewish. He grew up in the Hebrew culture. Everything that Christ spoke of, when we read about it in the New Testament, is through the eyes of a, of a, of a Jewish carpenter. When Christ said these words, he has an understanding that you and I as Americans in 2012 don't get. Whenever a bridegroom wanted to be married. He would not seek out the bride. He would seek out the bridegroom's parents. We had an example of that this week. My daughter, Katie, is engaged to be married to my soon-to-be son-in-law, JJ. Stand up. Come here. Come here. Look. Hey. We're so excited about this. Here's how JJ did it, though. He came to me and he asked me, I want to marry your daughter. Is it okay? What a, what a wonderful example to do. You guys can sit back down. Thank you. And then I said to him, how much money do you have, JJ? No. I actually told him, told him that we think the world of him and have prayed for our daughter's mate since before she was born, we believe J.J. to be the one that we were praying for all these years. A Jewish potential groom would have gone to the bride's parents. And what he would have done to present himself is that he would have written down a contract that basically says, if you allow her to marry me, here's what's in it for her. Here's all the things that I will do for her. It was called a covenant. Covenant is just another word for promise. So the bridegroom would have written out his covenant or his promise that if she marries me, here's what I will do for her. The bride's parents would have read the covenant. And if they agreed or said yes to the covenant, they didn't shake hands, high five. No words actually were spoken. A cup of wine would have been set on the table. 
the father of the bride would have picked it up and drank from it, handed it to the potential groom, and he would have drank from it, thereby sealing the covenant. Jesus, when he gives us communion, we are partakers of a covenant. And we seal or recognize the covenant by drinking what he's given to us, his body and his blood broken and shed for us, the promise. Does it make sense? So that really no words have to be spoken if you partake of it. That's why communion is a meal for believers. It's not for everyone. It's not open to anyone, although it is for those who would come to the table. So after the bridegroom would drink from the cup, he would set it down, and then his job, clear cut, he would go to prepare the bridal chamber for the bride. His job simply was to get the house ready to receive the bride now. The bridegroom would go home and begin preparing the bridal chamber. The custom was only the bridegroom's father was allowed to say when the chamber was ready. Why? A bridegroom would spend about three seconds <laughs> getting it ready to get the bride. He's more interested in the consummation as opposed to the decoration. <laughs> yes or no? Just be honest with me here. So only the father had the ability to release the bridegroom. So Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you. And then a few verses later, he speaks these powerful words. About that day and hour, no man knows except the Father. Because only the Father releases the Son to get the bride. You're the bride. He's the bridegroom. The Father has him preparing heaven for us. And when the Father says it's ready, Jesus comes to receive his bride. That's good. I, whoever you were, thank you. Because if you know what it was like just to do this sometimes. <laughs> Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You do not get there accidentally. Christ is preparing the place for you right now based on the relationship that you have with him. Mark 12, 32 that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. When the Father says go, then eternity, as you and I know it, doesn't stop, it begins. I put in your notes what I mentioned briefly just a few moments ago. We spend hours researching where we will go for a two-week vacation. How much time is ever spent learning about heaven? Heaven is a country. It's a destination. It's a place that you're supposed to feel comfortable in. You're supposed to long for it. You're supposed to be homesick for it. You're not supposed to be afraid of it. How many believers, because of their unfamiliarity with heaven, are so attached to this world, afraid of that world? That world means death. That's, that, listen, we, we see it from such a confused view. I am not saying that we are supposed to embrace some death wish, but the truth of the matter is, listen to me, this is life and no one gets out alive. Yes or no? Every one of us will pass 
from this place to that place. It does not matter where you live, how much money you have, what car you drive, what your status is in this life. There will be a day when everything will be equal. Every man, every woman will stand before the Father and give answer for your life. That should not make you afraid. should not intimidate you. There should be a longing in your heart. The spirit and the bride tell the bridegroom, come Jesus. Consummate history. I put down a different perspective. If we ever could get the right perspective, it changes everything. A couple of years ago, I was asked to do the service for a tragic funeral. A young man driving home on 285, just up in the foothills, fell asleep and drifted over the line. And he hit oncoming traffic full ahead and it killed him instantly. And the interesting issue here, the kid just a week before that had gone to a men's retreat and had given his heart to Christ, just rededicated himself to that. God was just doing such a powerful thing. And one week later, this horrible tragedy happens. And the family calls on me and says, can you do this for us? And I go to Evergreen to, to do this service. And, and the, the scripture that I had picked, it's in your notes right here. It's one, I, I've, I've read it a thousand times, but God gave me insight to it right before I went to teach. In Psalms 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I'm about to do this funeral, and the Lord showed me something. At that precise moment, our daughter Katie was halfway around the world. She was getting ready to come home, and we had had this conversation that day. I was so excited because she was coming home. But she was so disappointed because she was leaving behind her friends. She had made a tremendous investment with her life in the ministry. She was reaching people. And great things were happening. She loved those people. But she was coming home. She had this great affinity in her heart for that part of Europe for those people that she had spent so much time with, that she had prayed for and labored with. But I was her dad. She was coming home. And she wept because she was leaving, and I rejoiced because she was coming. Her heart was broken to leave that place. My heart was complete because she was coming to this place. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. While it hurts here and now, he rejoices then and there. And when you go there, it is not some foggy, mystical, disembodied adventure that you will have. You will go to a country where they will welcome you. You will know and be known, the Bible says. You will find relationships in the fullest context of what they could possibly be. And ultimately, your father waits for you. And then we live in a world where that's so jacked up. Because people here and now have such problem with their fathers. Oh, stop it. 
You have one who is perfect in all ways and in all dimensions and longs for you to come home. And when you're there, you will not look back and go, what could have been? You will go, why wasn't I here sooner? I am not kidding you. (laughs) I put in your notes, if it's of interest, Maybe this is the thought you should be thinking. If heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, how do I prepare? How do I prepare? John 17, 3, Jesus was asked, he was asked directly, what is eternal life? The debate of the religious leaders was, was there an afterlife? Half of them believed that when you died, that was it, it was over with. The other half believed that there was a resurrection. Jesus is asked the question and addresses it directly. What is eternal life? And Jesus said this, this is eternal life. Listen, that they would know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. What is eternal life? Eternal life is not a country even. Eternal life is a relationship that's lived out in the context of heaven. Does that make sense? If you can agree with that, then let me just go here very quickly. If heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, then here's what I would tell you to do here and now. Invest in heaven. Let me try that again. Invest in heaven. Matthew 6.20, Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in where? Heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Let me say this without any ambiguity whatsoever. Invest your money in the kingdom of God while you still can. I can't believe the overwhelming amens that I got there again. (laughs) Let me look in the camera. I know Highlands Ranch is cheering for me right now. Castle Rock people are laid on the floor. Lakewood people are giving right this moment. (laughs) Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Listen, church, you know, if you go here, if you're visiting, you you can ignore me at your peril. If, if, (laughs) if you go to, you go to church here, you know my tendency is to, is to stay away from the topic of money because I believe that the church in the last 15 years has so abused that issue that it becomes the blockade for people to be able to get the message. So here's my thought. Let's just stay away from it then. Let's just, let's talk about God. We'll leave the, God will take care of the other thing. And he has done that for us. But I do you no favor when I don't tell you the truth that your destination is being built based on what you do here and now. And you do not want to get a mentality of, I'm giving to get. But it is true, when you give, God invests it in heaven. That's right. Amen. What's, the, what's the slogan? You can't take it with you? True, but you can send it ahead. <laughs> yes or no? What did Jesus say? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In heaven. You cannot take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Luke 16, 9, look at this really interesting scripture. Now, I have taught from this scripture before, 
but I want you to look at it. I want you to see it in the context of what I'm teaching right here. Jesus said, I tell you, look at this. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into, what's that word? Eternal dwellings. I want you to look at this literally. Use worldly wealth to help people so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. God is preparing a place for you, and it's an eternal dwelling. Yes or no? What you do here now influences that. I, get this picture. I think for some of us, the whole idea of heaven as a place where I would go to somebody's house and visit them is such a foreign concept, and yet Jesus teaches the idea you'll be welcomed into a dwelling in heaven. You, somebody, what do you, do you like? Well, we all know about that. So we're, we've already got that. So maybe you could just talk about something else. No, this is, I, I am blown away by that. I would say to you, listen, without apologies, while you can, give. Invest. You're holding on to something, investing in temporary issues that when it's all said and done, you'll go, what did I do? Why did I do that? It's a pastor's job to have to call attention to the things that nobody else wants to talk about. <laughs> Can I show you a little clip of a movie again? Not recommending the movie. <laughs> you don't need to send me any email. It's not, it's not that. It's just something, it really changed my heart. It didn't change my life. My life was changed by Christ. But it did change my heart on something. It's from Schindler's List. You ever seen the movie? Powerful movie. At the very end of the movie, Oscar Schindler recognizes. He recognizes. He, he, he did a tremendous, uh, unbelievable feat in rescuing Jews during the Holocaust. But at the end of it, he recognizes that he was trying to hold on to stuff that... It, <laughs> It really didn't make a difference when it came to eternal things. And so I asked the guys if they could find this for me and show it to you. So let me let you watch it. He's at the, it's at the, the end of the war, and he recognizes I, I, what could have been. So take a look at this right here. Just 
I could have got more. Oscar, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you, look at them. If I'd made more money, <laughs> I threw away so much money. <laughs> you have no idea. If I just... There will be generations because of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. This car. Good, what about this car? Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten people. Ten more people. This pin. Two people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for At least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. Person is For this. I could have gone. One more person. And I didn't. It's a powerful point that he comes to the end of the opportunity and he recognizes the car was ten more people. The gold pen was two more people. Every opportunity was the chance to influence for eternity. And I wonder sometimes, man, the car is everything to us. The perspective gets switched, doesn't it? That vacation was everything to me. That investment meant everything to me. There's a scripture in the book of Revelations that says, on that day, he'll dry every eye. Wipe away every tear. Why do you think people will be crying on that day? Not because they missed hell. That was done because of the work of Jesus. You and I will recognize what could have been on that day. He is merciful and he will wipe away every tear. He will do what was done for Oscar Schindler. You did, though, this much. God will not condemn, but I'm asking you, in light of knowing what it could be, what would you do now? What would you change now? Matthew chapter 7, and I'll just end with this. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not act on them 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The only thing I would point out there is that Christ makes the statement, both people go through the storm. The ones who heard and acted on what they heard, built on a rock. And those who heard but didn't act on it, built on sand. And the outcome of both lives were completely different. And it's not heaven, hell. It's the house that you're building. Did you hear me? You have a house being prepared for you. What do you want it to look like? Father, all we can do is lay it before you right now and ask you, look deep into our hearts, speak to us about it. Church, every campus, listen to me. There is no condemnation in this message. There's no talking down. There's no judgment. There's no harshness. It's the reality simply of the statement that if you hear Jesus' words and you act on them, you build this way. If you hear his words and you don't act on them, you build that way. And you can't pick neutrality when it comes to the issue. What do you want it to look like? Is God saying anything to you right now? Do you hear the Holy Spirit talking to you about any issue? Time is a resource. Talent is a resource. Treasure is a resource. Is God talking to you about any of those issues? I would encourage you, if you hear the voice of the Lord, act on it even today. Here's what I'm going to pray, that when you go home, the Holy Spirit will not leave you alone. God loves you so much that this message is not some irrelevant thing to be pushed off and to be considered later. May the Holy Spirit stir you deep. May you act on this message. Let me move now to a broader place. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. The upside down thought is, if I'm good, I go to heaven. The reality is, heaven is only possible because of a relationship with God. Regardless of which campus you're at, how you listen to this message, let me just zero in on this thing to pray for. I'm going to believe that if you have been exposed to hearing this truth right now, that it was because God willed and planned for this to be the day, the evening, the weekend, the weekday, whatever day you listen. This was the day God planned for you to hear this message 
and to make a decision about eternity. And I'm going to say it very simply. If you need a relationship with God, if you've never trusted in the work of Christ, if your idea of how to get to heaven is based on your good works and you recognize right now you'll never make it because you can't be perfect. You need a righteousness that goes beyond anything of this earth. You need a supernatural righteousness and that's who Christ is. And if you just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to go to heaven. It's that simple. If you say, John, remember me in your prayer. I need a relationship with God. I want His grace and His mercy. And I want you to remember me when you pray. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. Just pray for me, John. I need a relationship with Christ today. Yep, yep, there's a lot of you, several of you. Yep, yep, I see you all over. At our campuses right now, Highlands Ranch, Dan, DJ, Evan, Marcus, all of you, take note. Take note. Church, I'm going to ask that all of us, that all of our campuses would just pray this simple prayer together. If you need a relationship with Christ, His grace and mercy, then we simply are just going to walk through the steps of just praying and asking for it. So let's help all who are wanting this in their life. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, have mercy on me. I want heaven. I want eternal life with you. I need your mercy. Forgive me of my sin. Embrace me as your own. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, I assure you, it is not a myth. It is not philosophical. It is not just out there. It is here and now that God does this work inside of you. The Bible says immediately He comes to bring new life inside of you. And what we've done to help you understand how to have that We've put together just a packet of information that's going to be available at all of our campuses on your way out. It's just a little envelope. Our folks will be standing by the door holding on to it. If you take the information, I promise, no one is going to do anything distasteful or distracting to you. It just simply will hand you the information. Why do you need it? Inside of it is how to have a relationship on a day-to-day -day basis with God. It's not information that we just automatically know. It's things that God has written inside of the Bible for us so that we can begin this journey with Him. Jesus said it culminates in eternal life, but it begins knowing Him here and now. Pick up that information so that you can have an understanding. And inside of it is contact information. Say this to you. If you do need to talk to somebody, all you need to do is make that known. They'd be happy to talk with you. If you just want to pick it up and go, you can do that. But inside of it is information, A, how to walk this out, and B, our contact information. If you have any questions, we'd love to be able to answer those for you and help you out in this thing called new life that you've taken on. For the rest of our church, let's just do this. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet right now.
As our worship pastors come to close out our services, we'll use this time to connect with God through communion, through prayer, through the opportunity just to worship Him right now. God bless all of you. Man, I'm looking forward to heaven. How about you? Going to be good. Yeah, let's just celebrate. Thank the Lord. Good day in Him.